Hey, Aspies and ADHDers, it's Reed from Inside the Asperger Studio. Today, I'm joined with Melissa Doman, a sleep specialist for the neurodiverse. So please check it out and make sure to like and subscribe and hit that bell for more notifications when I put up new videos. I'll catch you on the other side. Talk to you guys. and ADHDers. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studio. I'm joined today with Melissa Doman, a sleep specialist for those who have ADHD and ASD or any other type of disability. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hi, thank you, Reed. Thanks so much for having me. You're not a problem. So tell me, how did you get into becoming a sleep specialist? Um, well, my, I guess, day job, I guess you could say, uh, <laughs> I work as a child brain developmentalist and I've worked with kids with special needs for 12 years now. Um, and when I first started working with families one-on-one in, in that realm, you know, the one question parents would constantly ask me is just like, what do I do about my child sleep. And at first I had no answers for them. So, um, you know, when you get that question enough in the office, it's like, okay, I got to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, ultimately that brought me to sleep training and good sleep hygiene and, you know, just using my knowledge with child brain development and looking at all these things about sleep, um, you know, ultimately I kind of put all of that together and, uh, that was six years ago now, seven years ago, okay. <laughs> um, that journey started. And, you know, I am fortunate enough to say that I've worked with hundreds of families and, and teenagers and young adults at this point and, and helping them just rest better. All right. Um, what would you say is the most important aspect of getting a good, a good sleep? I think it kind of depends on the age group we're talking about. <laughs> um, that being said, I think the the two the two things that always tend to, in my opinion, like really get in the way of a good quality night's sleep is usually around bedtime, and that mm-hmm. is regardless if it's children, adults, whoever. Um, but another thing that people have to really take a, a close look at and evaluate is just exactly how much screen time they're getting. Um, and these are not like groundbreaking yeah. recommendations in any way. It's more just like being mindful of it and mm-hmm. making a concerted effort for, you know, several weeks to really make changes in those regards. And I think a lot of the times you know, my parents and the adults that I've worked with, that takes them 50% of the way there, just those two things. Um, so making sure that you're, you're getting to bed at a time that is right for your body clock and, you know, being mindful of when you turn off your cell phone or your screens, you know, before bedtime, um, it can make a world of a difference for the whole family. I mean, that brings me to my next question is, do you think that adults and children both have a hard time putting down their phone or even their (laughs) tablet? I mean, I know I have a hard time doing it because for me, 
I, I know I can't read at night mm-hmm. because at a certain point, my mind shuts off. I need something to relax me. Yeah. I have a blue light filter, but do you think they work as well? I mean, to answer, to add on to that question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think blue light filters help a little bit, but it's still, you know, especially for, for the population that I work with, like that blue light filter only gets so far and there's still that blue light that's coming in from the screen can really overstimulate the brain. And I've, I mean, I've worked with a lot of kids where it's like just a few minutes of screen time before bed helps them to relax and calm Mm -hmm. down. But like what's happening underneath and what's happening at that deeper level is just their brain is still thinking like, Oh, it's daytime. Um, which it can affect how long it takes for them to fall asleep. But Mm. Even if they fall asleep right away, I'm guaranteed to see that they'll wake up multiple times a night. So it's a matter of finding what are those things that we can do to replace that screen time, even when that does feel like a comforting, like relaxing thing for us or or for our kids. Now, do you feel meditation is a helpful thing for sleep? It, It depends on the person. And I say that just because I... And one person who have, has tried for years and years and years to do meditation. And it's like pulling my nails out. Like it's really, <laughs> it's really hard for me to, to get that shut down and to, to have that like focused present, you know, 10 minutes or so. Um, so it can be really helpful for people and I'm not knocking it. I just know that um, it's not always like the easiest thing to do. So you know, my, my recommendation is, is that like, if you're a person where your mind's just kind of going, going, going all day long, um, it may not be before bedtime, which is the right time. It may be like first thing in the morning, just to have a little bit of focus and being present. Um, for me, what I do instead of meditation at night is I literally just like write down all my things. I write down my schedule, my checklist for the next day, Um, And I have a little notepad by my bed as well, just Mm -hmm. in case I forgot something. (laughs) Um, And for me, that that works so much better than than meditation. But that's just me. And, you know, I've had plenty of families and and adults I've worked with where meditation was great for them. Um, So, you know, it's I think it kind of depends on your own personality and and what you know, what works for you now. Have you dealt with any clients who have racing thoughts or uh, like a really active mind at night who just have problems shutting it off? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And I, you know, again, I'm, I am one of these people. I mean, my husband jokes all the time about like, I'm up at 2am. I'm like, Oh, I got to write that down, write it down, write it down. Um, but for me, like, and, and having used this tool myself and having recommended it to enough clients at this point, like, that alone, just sometimes having that reassurance of like, okay, it's down. I'm not going to forget it is enough to say like, okay, let's settle back and let's focus on trying to get back to sleep here. Um, so that for anybody who tells me that they're just constantly thoughts racing, going through the day, everything like that, just write it down. Um, and this is even something I'll do with my kids too. I'll have parents, you know, set aside five, 10 minutes towards the end of the day where, we write down the things that were really tough, were maybe really stressful, but we always end off with a few positives. So okay. we anything that 
could be bothering that kid. This is an amazing tool. And I've worked, I've used this with so many of my kids with ADD. It's, it's a game changer in a lot of ways. It's Hmm. yeah. You just have to do it consistently. I'll have to try that out and just keep a (laughs) pad of paper beside my bed and just start writing down any thought that comes into my head. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I think there's something symbolic of like, regardless of how big or how small that thing is, just writing it down. It's like, okay, we've acknowledged it. It's out in the open, (laughs) right? It's there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you have to be, you know, at the same time, you have to be a little pigheaded with yourself to say like, we're writing it down, but that means we're handling it tomorrow. This is not the time to do it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that thing is. (laughs) Now, how do you deal with clients who have insomnia? Because I know that's even worse than racing minds is they're constantly trying to battle sleep and their mind just won't let them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, if somebody comes to me, who's been truly like diagnosed with insomnia, like sometimes it, takes a deeper, you have to take a deeper dive into some other bigger things like the nutritional component, the physical mm-hmm. activity p- component. And of course, you know, I have training and all those things and I'll give those recommendations, but, um, you know, in certain cases, like you might have to go to somebody who's really specialized, like in some of these like deeper rooted things, like sometimes an insom- like with insomnia, um, you know, a very specific like supplement regimen or dietary changes, like, you know, you'll want to go to somebody specialized for that. Um, but for somebody, you know, for my, my clients that I've worked with and families that I've worked with where somebody has a true insomnia, like sometimes just getting the bases covered with like a very physical, like a very simple, consistent physical activity regimen is a big thing. Um, and you know, making sure that there are some basic nutritional changes can make Mm -hmm. a great impact on that too. Um, and if you, if it is like 2am and you're just up and you're like, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do with myself. Um, I, I, I have my, I have my clients write out like three or four things, which are Mm -hmm. their, like, don't just lie there techniques. So, you know, something like just leave the room, go sweep the kitchen floor or, you know, organize the spice rack or (laughs) something like that, just to keep your mind off of it. Cause there's definitely, I think for a lot of people who, who struggle to sleep when you've been lying there for three hours, the first thing you're going to be thinking about is like, this is never going to happen. I'm a terrible sleeper. Like, so getting into that negative mindset is not necessarily going to make, get you sleeping any faster. Mm -hmm. So you got to do something to kind of pattern break that. Um, So finding like those kind of mundane activities, even if you have to do it three, four, five times, Mm -hmm. um, it's a way to pattern break that and just get off of that negative thought of like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I can't do this. That kind of reminds me of like what Sleepio had you go through is use that positive reinforcement instead of thinking negative, Yeah, come up with more of a positive feedback, taking that negative and turning it into a positive. Yeah. Instead of thinking like, I'm the only one who can't get sleep, turn it around and say, I'm, I, I may not be the only one who can't get sleep. There are probably others out there who are like, who are going through the same problem. Sure. So it becomes more of a, pos- a reinforced positive. Yeah. And, and look, I know that there are some people who would think very cynically of that, like, oh, I'm not going to, 
you know, be telling myself I'm the greatest sleeper in the world at 2 a.m. Like (laughs) sometimes you have to, you have to pick a statement that you know is true. So like, even if it's like, eventually I'm going to fall asleep. Like that doesn't sound super positive, but if that's something that you can believe in, like, you know, hit your card on, like go right ahead, like start with that. And, you know, little by little, as that changes and as you do get to be a better sleeper, you know, that mantra or that thing that you tell yourself can, can adapt and, and change with it. Interesting. Um, now, would you recommend um, like CBD for, for those who have problems with sleep as well? Cause I know I use it mm-hmm. almost religiously because it's got melatonin in it. It's not a heavy dose, but it's enough to at least trigger the fatigue feeling of being yeah. dizzy and sleepy. But my, it's like my mind still fights it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, look, I, I think with, any of these additional like over-the-counter remedies like a CBD or a melatonin, you know, ideally they should just be used on a temporary basis. Like, you know, if you're traveling time zones or something like that, and you're having a hard time resetting your clock or something like really, really stressful or upsetting has happened in your life. And again, you, if you have that kind of temporary bout of not being able to fall asleep, those things are totally okay. Um, you know, my, my goal with, when I work with somebody is to, to try and get them off of it. Cause most of the time people that come to me have been using, you know, melatonin for months or years, or they've been doing the CBD and they're still maybe not like seeing the changes that we, that they want. And a lot of times these things are recommended more kind of like as band-aids, but they don't necessarily get to, the root of the issue. Um, and I mean, I, I, the amount of stories I've heard of like the melatonin or five different medications for my kids to, to try and get sleep. It's like, well, let's maybe focus on those sleep habits. Let's, let's start putting into place some of these things like around bedtime and some of these activities. And a lot of times like that's it, that, that, was the root of the issue. And we've been band-aiding it with that melatonin or CBD. So like, you know, of course I'm not knocking anybody who uses it. Like, you know, when you're not sleeping well, I, I totally get it. Um, but you know, sometimes, like I said, it just very often it's, uh, you know, we just kind of, we glaze over what, (laughs) what some of those bigger issues are and, uh, try to find that quick fix. And it doesn't, sometimes it does work, but not always. Um, yeah. Now, how do you deal with someone who's having trouble falling asleep? They're constantly tossing and turning and just can't get to sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, there, there can be a lot of things that, that factor in, to that. Um, you know, and I, I think the first thing, if we're looking at, you know, an adult, for example, the first thing is just to, to write down for a couple of weeks, like what time you actually fall asleep, what time you actually wake up, because it's very hard for us to remember those things. And once you have it written down, you can kind of observe and see like, okay, are there any trends here? So, a lot of times when I have my adults do that, they realize, oh, I've got more of like a night owl rhythm, or actually I should be going to bed a lot earlier. Like not everybody's window is the same. So, 
you know, I would say, look at that first. And then based on that information, can you make adjustments into your schedule to, to hit those ideal times? If not, very often just like a bump, you know, 30 minutes earlier, 30 minutes later, or an hour earlier, hour later can make all the difference. Um, now I would say like most of the time, uh, especially with the adults that I work with, we're kind of just like missing the window. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say 80% of us, like our window of opportunity to go to sleep is right around that 10 o'clock time. And for, mm. for a lot of us, like if we miss that window, it's much harder to get to sleep. Your sleep is more fragmented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for anybody who has like a neurodevelopmental issue on top of that, it can just exacerbate it. So like, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, like I said, of writing it down and kind of observing, but you know, if there's nothing really coming out of that, you've got nothing to lose by trying like that earlier time where, like I said, you know, 70 to 80% of the population is like around that time. Um, and you know, in my experience, just getting to that earlier time can, can help things. And it's just because you're hitting that window of opportunity and it's kind of what mother nature has been telling us for a while. <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes sense on my part because ever since I've known it, my body will all of a sudden shut off at a certain point in time around the eight o'clock time where yeah. it's like, where I can't do anything. It's like, I can't concentrate. I can't focus. I'm tired. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I can't read or anything. And it's like, okay, I just need to relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even when I was away at school, it was like I had that time where my mind just shut off, where I couldn't focus or anything. And it's like, and the more I stayed up past it, it's like I'd go to sleep. It, my body would just fight and fight. And then yeah. like weekend, I'd, I'd like crash. Friday night, I'd crash. I'd wake up feeling refreshed. But for the rest of the week, I'd wake up feeling like I've been crying all night. My eyes will be puffy and watery. Yeah. Yeah. And then exactly. it was just like, why am I feeling like this? Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, so often when you, when you miss that window, you go into that state of overtiredness where the brain doesn't even know what to do with itself. Like the, you know, I I'm trying to, Oh, it went right out of my head anyway, but it's, it's kind of like all the bells and whistles are going, but like nothing's working, nothing's Mm -hmm. in sync with each other. Um, and you know, a lot of times, like my parents, I'll say, when do you actually start to see tired signs with your child? And it's way earlier, way earlier than they're, (laughs) than when they're putting their child to bed. And it's like, yeah, that's your window right there. We got to take advantage of that one right there. Um, and when we do, it's it's much easier for their kids to get to sleep. Everything is just kind of in sync with each other. Um, hmm. So, yeah, it's it, it can make a big impact for sure. Yeah, I may have to try that once I start to feel tired. Just <laughs> say, okay, it's time to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, what do you think is more important to getting a good night's rest? A, ver- a, co- a dark, comfortable room or knowing when to put down your electronics? Um, that is a great question. And again, I think it kind of depends on the the person, um, in a lot of ways, because I mean, the electronics, 
especially for adults, it's like you're constantly connected. I mean, like I can in two seconds pull up my work email at 10 o'clock. Should I be doing that? No, but there's, <laughs> there's that like instant gratification or whatever of like seeing, okay, who maybe wrote me or what's going on. And, um, you know, for a lot of us, I, I, you know, I think it just kind of depends, but my vote would be is like, if the screen and that connection is something that like, you are just looking at before, even like the seconds before your head hits the pillow, um, all of that light stimulation and mm-hmm. all of that just overstimulation of seeing this person and reading that thing, like it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to always settle to sleep easily. So I'd say like, if I was going to pick the two, I'd probably err on the side of that. But if you're not somebody who, who is terribly connected to the screens and you've like been really diligent of cutting it off at a certain time, um, especially this time of year, this is when I usually hear from people saying like, why am I waking up earlier? Why is it harder to fall asleep? And it's like, well, cause it's a lot lighter outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your opinions about reading in bed? either an actual book or a Kindle? Um, well, again, I think it, it's a matter of the backlight. And I, for the longest time, I swore off any kind of like Nook, Kindle, tablet reader. Um, I, I do feel like, you know, having a, a book in bed like is a great way to relax and wind down as long as you're reading relaxing, you know, lighthearted content. Like I wouldn't, recommend like pulling up your New York times or something like that. Um, but you know, I think if you use a reader, as long as it, it has like that matte screen, it's not backlit, you should be okay. And again, I've finally, I was, I've got something like that and, you know, I've used it every, basically every single night since I've gotten it. And for me, I'm very light sensitive when it comes to sleep. Um, like me, actually. Yeah. Because... And these are actually blue light blocking glasses. I wear them oh. all day long just because I don't want that influence. But, um, you know, I've managed to be able to read on my reader and get to sleep. No problem. So. So do you do you yourself have sleep issues? <laughs> um yes and no. And I think it all like kind of depends on how well I'm managing my own personal stress levels. Um, again, I, my natural instinct is just my brain is constantly on the go. I'm constantly thinking about this thing I've got to do or this thing I forgot to do. Um, so as long as I'm keeping to my own techniques of managing that I do. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I personally just make sure I get tons and tons and tons of physical activity. And that helps me to, and helps me to keep my brain and my body just nice and cool and regulated. But when I'm not sticking to those things, yeah, I'm going to have a tougher time sleeping, but it's, but I know what things are getting in the way of that. Um, so as long as I'm keeping those, like my own stress levels in in check. I'm doing lots of my physical activity. Like I'll usually be okay. Now, do you, would you say that stress is one of the biggest factors to people having trouble with sleep? Um, yes, yes and no. And um, especially for like my older school-aged kids, they can't always put words to it, but 
I suspect a lot of times it is just kind of stress built up from the day. And I've even seen that with my kids as young as like six and seven, um, where, you know, they tell mom and dad, like everything's going great at school. And, but you know, they have complete meltdowns when they get home. It's Mm -hmm. just all the sensory overload. So like there's something going on, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if, your stress levels are really high or even like, like slightly elevated. Um, you know, if, and if you don't have an outlet to, to get rid of that stress, whether it's, you know, just having somebody to talk to journaling, physical activity, like, yeah, that's, that's going to be pent up. And, um, you know, again, I think for a lot of people who have that issue of like their mind is constantly racing, there's always something to worry about, think about, um, they tend to be a little bit more stressed out. Um, so, and I, you know, I see this personally, like my husband is not a stressed out person at all, but when he is stressed out and he's an amazing sleeper, but when he's stressed out, like I can tell, I know that he's not sleeping well, He's up way, way, way too early. (laughs) Um, And, you know, not like me. I mean, he uses meditation and that is his that is his thing to help him manage Mm -hmm. his stress. And when he's doing that consistently, he does better with his sleep. Um, But, you know, all of these things are their habits and staying really consistent with those things is a challenge. And I'm saying that even as a sleep coach, like for my own personal well-being like i know it's really hard to stay on top of like you know keeping to that that consistent uh stress management for sure now do you deal differently with from asd to adhd clients do you deal with them with differently or are they all treated the same no i you know i think irregardless of of diagnosis you know ultimately when, when I work with a family or when I work with somebody, like I want to get more details as to like developmentally what's going on as, as important as a diagnosis is not every, you know, no two people are exactly the same. And, um, you know, I think that's the unfortunate thing. Like so often people are just kind of boxed into like, Oh, you're ASD or you're ADD. So that means blah, blah, blah but it doesn't necessarily mean that. (laughs) Um, So like for me, when I work with somebody, I ask very detailed questions about vision and sensory and physical activity. What, like what, what that child can do, what they can't do yet. And really ultimately try to design a plan based on that. And um, you know, if we take two kids with ASD, like some of my kids that I work with, we got to do a lot of sensory stuff, but Mm -hmm. that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes I, you know, it's just like, Hey, get out for a walk a few times a week and let's do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll keep things in the, in check, but you know, every, you know, that, I think that's what is very exciting about what I do. Like every kid and every person is, is unique. And to, to find that right combination of things for them is, you know, is it, is a challenge that I, and a puzzle I really liked <laughs> to solve. Um, and I, I realize, like, you know, sometimes I'll give somebody something and they're like, eh, this did not work at all. Great. Okay. Perfect. Well, we've got a few other things <laughs> that we could try here as well. Um, but you know, it's, it just amazes me that like, sometimes it's the simplest things that can make the biggest impact. And, I, you know, I, I think the unfortunate thing is that for a lot of my 
a lot of my kids and my young adults with ASD or ADD, it's just, you know, very often it's just assumed like, ah, no, we, there's nothing we can do about that. It's just part of the diagnosis, like live with it. And it doesn't have to be, it really doesn't. Who do you find is easier to work with adults or youth? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I find kids are easier to work with just because it's parents (laughs) implementing the changes. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) adults, it's like, like, you know, there's nobody like hanging over to you saying like, you have to do this. Um, so, but that being said, um, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to, to working with adults and kids. Like it's, you know, they're two totally different things. Um, but having, having worked with a few adults, like it, what I find most exciting is that like sometimes it, you know, when I, you have all these simple things and you finally put them into play, they're like, Oh my gosh, like this is working so well. I had no idea. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's really nice to, to get somebody to that point. It, you know, again, most of what I do at working with adults is like, Hey, did you do this? Are you sticking with it? Like, come on, let's go. Uh, (laughs) Um, but it, it can, you know, it, it, to see that change and, uh, for my adults is, is really great too. Are there any true secrets to getting a really good night's rest? (laughs) Or is it just Um, hard work? (laughs) Yeah, it's look, it, it takes a lot of hard work at first, but you know, the, the amazing thing is that some of these things that you put into place, like you have to be consciously thinking about and mm-hmm. keeping on top of, but the brain is amazing at learning and adapting to new sequences and those things like, you know, at a certain point, it just becomes, um, second nature. Uh, again, like my husband last night, he, he came upstairs. He wanted, he needed to put on a pair of flip-flops. He took off his socks and he started to like get undressed and get into his PJs. Like he just instantly, it was dark out. He wanted to just put a pair of flip-flops on, but his brain triggered into like, Oh, it's bedtime routine time. So there, wow. <laughs> so if, if you do it consistently enough and you wait for that moment of like, this just becomes second nature, it's, it doesn't feel like hard work after that. And, you know, I think for a lot of people when they, when they feel those benefits and they see those benefits, you've got all the more motivation to, to stick with it. So if there's any trade secret, I guess, you know, you could say is like, once you find those tools that work for you, really stick with it, be patient. Like the, the brain and body is going to start to pick up on uh, those habits and and things will become second nature soon enough. Mm -hmm. Now, what I, what is your opinion on midday naps? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about taking midday naps, especially for, for adults. Now you, the timings of it, you have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. Um, if I recommend a nap for my adults, it's usually anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like just enough for somebody to get into like that stage one, stage two sleep without going through a full cycle. Um, but depending on what, your sleep is like at night, like there are some benefits to going through a full sleep cycle. But in in my experience, it's those kind of power naps or those coffee naps that, that tend to work better um, mm-hmm. for, for adults. I mean, cause I know I have a friend who's like me, but more severe 
and he's taking antipsychotics and the sedation effect just kicks in and he yeah. he thinks he's gonna go for a short nap and he winds up sleeping for hours yeah yeah and yeah. i'm like i'm like i keep telling him you need to talk to your doctors and dial that down because that eventually is going to ruin your sleep habit yeah you're not going to be able to get the sleep you need yeah and and i mean we haven't even talked about medications i you know that obviously for a lot of people with add like that can greatly affect their sleep and i've i've had i mean i've worked with some people and some kids where it's like just reducing the amount of medication by one or two megs like yeah you know it was the difference between taking four hours to go to sleep and an hour to go to sleep and now that being said like i also realized that the medications are helping with certain um symptoms during the day as well so ultimately it's you kind of have that hard decision of like okay what's just enough where i can still be okay the next day and still do what i gotta do mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean <laughs> with medications like it's it, you know the side effects can be can be really hardcore and i certainly you know for your friend if he's sleeping several hours during the day you know that's a good indicator for me to say like yeah talk to the doctor and because it's it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a good night's sleep like there is a, a certain amount of sleep pressure especially for adults that you want to build up yeah and finally yeah. what is your ideal room setting to get a good night's sleep in room setting well um the you know usually one of the first things that i will do with my kids adults alike just because it's easy to check off the list is you know obviously you want to make sure that you have a nice dark room so not a whole heck of a light a lot of light coming in um i i live behind a hospital where we get right. a lot of light pollution so i taken like <laughs> I've taken brown grocery bags and I've like puttied those over our window in addition to a blackout mm -hmm. curtain. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. the blackout curtain doesn't even work. No. And, and a lot of times, like there's still like an edge of light that comes in like around it. So just cover up the windows. You're should, you should be fine. Um, and if it's a kid, you know, you want, you do want to make sure that they feel safe in the room. So you can always put like a little night light in there. Um, I find that for a lot of my, a lot of my kids and adults with ADD, um, temperature is the bigger. Yeah. Thing. With me um, it is. Cause I know when my room starts to get hot, I need to kick off my blanket right away and let my body cool down. Otherwise I just get like agitated i guess you'd call it and then i have to use my lighter blanket so my body can stay cool otherwise exactly. if i start to sweat then i just get really agitated and i start yeah. tossing more well yeah and and the issue is is that i think for a lot of my a lot of my kids and my adults with add they tend to just body temperature wise run hotter so like the hotter you run, the harder it is to like get into those really deep stages of sleep. So yeah. um, I generally recommend trying to keep the room around 68 degrees or cooler. Um, if I could, I would absolutely keep it cooler. I'm a total polar bear, um, <laughs> but my thermostat only goes to 68. So <laughs> I keep it at, at that coolest level. But um, 
I, you know, I've worked with, with kids and adults where like 64, 63 is like their ideal temperature. So, um, even a one to do one or two degree difference can be the difference between like really good, deep quality sleep and, and not getting that. Yeah. Cause I know usually in the house at night, we have it set to around 72, 73. Yeah. And with me, my, our vent is on the roof on the top. So it's blowing down on me. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. yeah, So I'll usually in the middle of the night, once I get warm, I'll drop the temperature one. Let the AC run. So my body cools down. And sometimes I've noticed with the lighter blanket, I'll fall asleep a lot quicker. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a lot of times it's just like finding that right combination of things. Now I, I don't recommend these all that often, but every once in a while, especially for my, for my adults who run really hot, um, I it's expensive. That's why I don't recommend it too much, but the chili pad can be really helpful and just keeping like Mm. a good consistent body temperature at night. Well, there's also, um, a, um, product. I'm hopefully going to be reviewing it. If the once I hear once I email them back next month, they're a mattress company called Eight Sleep, mm-hmm. and they you've heard of them? I think so. Yeah, I'm and trying to remember when I created a water cooled bed that basically uh, the smart bed that adjusts to your body's temperature. Interesting. So if you're warm, it will cool down. If you're hot, if you're cold, it will warm up. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think it's one of these things I probably saw on Instagram at some point. Yeah. You know? yeah as a sleep coach, I see all those kind of advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, anyways, it was great talking with you and learning about sleep. I mean, I've learned more about my own sleep than I knew, I knew about. I mean, I didn't know that once my body was tired, I should just say, Hey, I'm not going to fight this. I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose by doing it. And, you know, once, once you start to hit those windows, it's like you start to learn a bit more about your own body's rhythm. And then once you know what that is, if you need to make adjustments because, you know, you got to be up at 5am the next day or whatever for work, like that can happen, but you got to know exactly where your window is first, what your needs are, and then make adjustments from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember coming home from school in England and my parents immediately wanted me to help them with moving and everything. Mm. And we all went to bed around nine, nine thirty, And I woke up at about one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So that was unusual for me to wake up that early. Yeah. Well, again, it's, you know, it kind of comes back to that consistency thing. And sometimes like when you're trying a new bedtime, you know, it is going to feel a little bit like jet lag. Um, So be patient with it. Like, you know, I think most of the time people kind of throw in the towel a little too soon, like Mm -hmm. maybe after two, three nights, but give it a little bit more time and, you know, things will, will start to even out for sure. Yeah. No, the hardest thing for me is even in the middle of the day is to take a nap. My body just is so, my mind is just still going. And it's like, I just can't get my body just to relax. 
Mm-hmm. I'll just lay in bed and my mind will just keep going and going and going. Yeah. But you know, look, I mean, even if you don't nap, sometimes just taking that, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to like be in a dark place, <laughs> let things process a little bit. Um, that may be all, all that you need is like a little energy boost to keep going. So I know I, I will do that occasionally. I do not nap. I'm ne- I've never really been a big napper. Um, but just, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to lie down and close my eyes is if I need it, that's usually all I need. Well, anyways, Melissa, it was great talking with you. Yeah. Thank you, Reed. It was really great talking with you and, and thank you so, so much for having me on. We live on board.